podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Becoming love is Nicola Van Dyke's lifestyle choice. It is a way of living and loving, loving yourself, others, and this beautiful universe we exist within. Her aim is that through becoming love, you will feel happier, more balanced, and healthier. By learning to love yourself fully, you will allow more love into your life have reverence for others, and feel a sense of belonging in the world. Becoming Love is a book and a gateway to an audio album of guided meditations. It leads us to a place of emotional peace. Becoming Love assists us in making profound changes to our feelings of happiness and belonging in the world. We experience how to find complete self-love, and through unlocking this treasure, we find reverence for others. Each chapter guides us through a thought process and a call to action, using inspirational ideas and absorbing information. At each step, there are exercises to complete, which allows us to address feelings and beliefs we might have. The mentorship program supports those who want one-to-one interaction to access more self-love, love for others, or a more loving spiritual connection, or all of these. It includes personal sessions with me, continuous email support, guided meditations, and exercises with my one-to-one guidance. The workshop is an intensive two-day retreat-style approach to assisting clients to find a deep, divine love within them for themselves, humanity, and to feel their sense of meaning and purpose on a spiritual level. It includes group and individual exercises, discussions, and meditation. The bi-weekly radio show Becoming Love aims to inspire and offers you motivational and uplifting ideas and stories. Each show is interactive, and I share guidance from the Becoming Love Creative Initiative. Each show may include group or one-to-one live healing sessions, meditations, discussions, as well as information and inspirational ideas. The online course, of which the first, The Divine Art of Self-Love, is almost ready to launch, expand the ideas within the book to assist you in clear steps to find the love you are seeking and be able to receive it. Nicola is really excited about this arm of the creative initiative as it allows for people to go as profoundly deep as they choose, at their own pace, with guidance. 
Her aim for the whole Becoming Love project is that everyone could say with confidence, Here I stand. I see you. I see where you stand. And I love you. Valeria interviews Nicola Van Dyke. Nicola Van Dyke is a life coach and mentor, an author and a presenter, and she specializes in the Theta healing technique to support people worldwide in making changes to their lives. Nicola is committed to assisting people in becoming their authentic selves and co-creating the life they wish for and deserve. She specializes in guiding people on a journey of self-acceptance, self-wisdom, and becoming love. She is a personal mentor. She runs a number of specific mentorship programs as well as offering single sessions. Nicola loves to work with people over time to witness miracles in their lives, to share their profound changes spiritually, physically, and emotionally. She is honored to have worked alongside each and every one of you. Her journey to date has led her to creating Becoming Love. She truly believes that she came here to learn about complete love and to guide others to loving themselves, those around them, the network of humanity, and our beautiful planet. Nicola also hosts a radio show called Becoming Love which encompasses all of her etiology and through discussions, live readings and healings, guided meditations and practical advice, she inspires and encourages a global audience. She has a global client base and travels extensively teaching seminars and workshops around our wonderful planet. She loves to coach. She is passionate about showing people how to love each other, themselves, their life, and this beautiful universe we exist within. Her educational background includes a first-class honors degree, BSc, in business from the University of Aston, and a postgraduate degree in education with distinction from Southampton University. Nicola is a professional life coach and intuitive healer. She has a diploma in life coaching with distinction, and she is a Certificate of Science Theta Healing Instructor. She has been fortunate enough to have been trained by and to have assisted Viana Stiebel, the founder of the Theta Healing Technique, and to have trained with Christina High, creator of Crystal Viewing for the Soul. Her website is nicolavandyke.com. Here is the interview with Nicola Van Dyke. In your own words, who is Nicola Van Dyke? <laughs> That's such a good question. I guess I'm a healer. I'm an intuitive reader. And I really feel that I'm here to promote love to the world, self-love, love for others, and love for this beautiful universe within which we exist. And I count myself really fortunate that That's my job. That's what I do every day when I work with people. So I feel really lucky to be living my purpose. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book and self-love and other kinds of love, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what is life to you, Nicola? I think life to me is all about connection. So connection to yourself, connection to others. I mean, we're part of a beautiful 
network of humanity, connection to other aspects of the universe, plants, animals, crystals, the oceans, everything. So for me, life is about connection. Yeah, that's such a powerful word. I agree. What do you think is the opposite of life? Well, I guess for me, and I'm sure that not everybody is on the same page with me with this, is I kind of think that life is eternal. So there isn't an opposite. Life just is. And for me, it just goes on and on. If you think of the cycles in nature, so trees die, they go into the ground, new trees spring up, um, babies are born every second. So for me, life is actually an ongoing process, an eternal process. So I'm not sure there is an opposite. I love that answer too. A very interesting one. What does it mean to be a human being? Okay, so this is the way that I see it. I really believe that we are all amazing, beautiful souls that are, for whatever reason, although completely our choice, choosing right now to be here in our human bodies, experiencing this amazing plane in the universe, connecting with each other. And so for me, it's about choosing to be alive, choosing to connect with others, and choosing to have the human experience of being right here on this beautiful earth. Do you think that life has a grand or ultimate purpose for all of us? <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics. And you know, when I work, because I work with clients every day, and very often people come to me because they're worried that they don't know what their purpose is or that they should be doing something and they don't know what it is. And this is the way that I see it. I think that we all choose to be here and we're all here to learn and we're choosing what we're learning. And for some of us, those may be huge lessons and we wish to accomplish some form of mission, whatever that might be. For others of us, I think we are just choosing to learn small lessons in joyful, easy ways and have a very peaceful life and just have fun. And I, it feels to me that everybody's chosen something slightly different. And what seems to cause the problem is when people believe they should be doing something, but they don't know what it is. And they think if they don't do it quickly, somebody's going to take it away from them. But the truth is, I think a purpose is kind of like a deflated balloon in your pocket. And all you have to do is to put your hand in your pocket, take out the balloon and blow it up. And if you don't like it, let it go and choose another one. <laughs> I love that. That's a kind of fun way of understanding life in the human experience. So that's very fascinating the way you're saying that we have chosen to fulfill certain purposes. When did that happen? Yeah, I, I think it's um, a soul choice. This is the way that I see it. It feels like a soul choice. And we may make it before we get here, but we can change it anytime we want because it is our choice. I really don't think that we have to do anything. I think sometimes we think we do and we may have made promises to ourselves or others to do it, but we can change it. Even if we made a choice in a different plane of existence, we can now choose a different one, different purpose. I love that. You know, in that makes me think about my freedom. And that's my next question. What is to be free? What is freedom to you, Nicola? 
for me, I feel that all of us have divine free will. I think that is our greatest gift from the highest energy, whatever you call that. You know, some people might call the highest energy God or Allah or creator or source. For me, the highest energy is just unconditional love. And I think we are all loved unconditionally and our greatest gift is our divine free will. And so for me, freedom is knowing that we are self-responsible, that we are accountable, and it is our choice, and we can create our lives in any way that we choose. It's an interesting idea because when I ask the question to most of my guests about freedom, they connect that word to choice. That's so fascinating. I'm wondering, what are the obstacles to realizing that, that we have that freedom already here now? Usually, well, almost always, in fact, they're coming from within us. I think many people are scared of being responsible for themselves. It's a lot easier to blame somebody else for what you're doing right now. Um, I think some people are don't want to be accountable for themselves because then they are responsible. Um, I think some people are frightened to step forward because they fear failure. But if you stay where you are, nothing's going to happen anyway. And I think understanding that we are truly loved and truly supported and to have the courage and the faith to step forward into what we want to be is the key, really, to having that freedom. I know we'll be talking about practices in the moment, and you have a lot of suggestions and practices that we can engage in to reach that state of mind, I would say, a state of being, which is wonderful. I really love this idea of just taking responsibilities for ourselves, for our own experience in this human body. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? (laughs) Well, I don't think my answer would be much different to many people's. I think we all just need a whole lot more love. Mm -hmm. I think we need to love each other. I think we need to love ourselves. And I think we need to love this beautiful planet that we exist upon. And for me... The best way for all of us to move towards this is literally to start moving towards it, to start showing more kindness to ourselves and others, to start taking more care of ourselves and of others and the world. And so all of the amazing virtues that we humans can practice, kindness, forgiveness, Um, care, nurture, support, if we turn those virtues in towards ourselves, but also outward towards others and the environment and the planet, then the world is just going to be filled with more love. So let's talk for a moment about love. How do you define love? What is love? It's really interesting because I believe that the best way to view love is as if it were a crystal or a huge jewel because there are so many facets of love and in the English language we only have one word and that's love whereas in other languages like Sanskrit for example they have 96 words to describe different types of love and in the English language we just have one and it applies to everything and for me love includes reverence 
kindness, patience, forgiveness, all the things, all the virtues all equate to love. But I guess the key is loving means that you give without expecting anything in return and you give without conditions. This is a subject or it's a practice that for most of us is challenging. I'm wondering how can we make this practice less challenging? Have you found some ways to go from just ordinary love to unconditional love? Okay, so it's an interesting one because most relationships have some form of condition. For example, if you're in a relationship with an intimate partner, you kind of expect them not to include another third person in your relationship, certainly without not telling you. So, you know, there's usually some forms of conditions, either unspoken or spoken. I think the nearest on a human level that we have to unconditional love is a parent's love for a child. That's probably the nearest that we get to it. Um, I think the key to loving unconditionally human to human is acceptance and honesty and open communication. So, for example, in an intimate relationship, you may need to openly discuss with your partner, these are the lines that I can't cross. And if you do cross them, I will still love you, but I'll love myself enough to be away from you. If we can be aware enough to practice that and communicate clearly, then we are walking toward unconditional love. Would you say that it's more challenging to love ourselves unconditionally than to love others? You know what? I think it depends on your personality and your experiences in life so far. Some people find it easier to love themselves than others and vice versa. What is your understanding and idea of peace? Okay, I think peace for me is a calm sense of knowing that you're okay, that you're comfortable in your environment and you have positive challenges and you have excitement, but there is no fear. That's another topic. <laughs> fear, it's a huge topic. Would you say that fear is the opposite of love in a way? Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because That's quite common in the holistic industry that I work in. I, you quite commonly hear people say that fear is just a lack of love. And actually, I think that's true to a large extent. I mean, if you think of a really, really simple example, um, perhaps you've been to a really busy cafe where you have to queue up to get your drink. And then when you turn around to get to the table, all the tables are taken But the people are sitting there with no drink because their partner or their friend is in the queue waiting to get the drink. So they're so frightened that they won't get a table that they've kind of grabbed one early, even though they don't have a drink. So to me, that's just the fear that they'll miss out somehow. And yet if everybody knew that there is abundance and enough for everybody and there's always going to be somewhere to sit, then the actual flow within the cafe of people getting their drinks, finding a seat would be a lot more easy. That's so true. We'll be talking about limited beliefs. I know you mentioned this in one of your blog posts. 
and that might be connected to that, right, Nicola? Not knowing. Yes, a lot of people resonate with the lack in the world rather than with the abundance. It's so fascinating. Do you know why, the reason for that? Um, I think it really depends. Sometimes it can be due to the way someone's been brought up. It could be due to their genetic makeup. I mean, many, many of us have ancestors who starved, who had not enough for hundreds of years. So in the, within their DNA, they have a genetic memory of a lack. Um, so there's lots of different reasons why people can hold beliefs. And I think we can change them. I mean, that's what I do. That's my job. I help people change their beliefs. But I think it's important to validate and recognize that wherever they've come from, they are real for that person. And then knowing we can change them. Yeah, yeah. I love this message and practice of self-empowerment. Do you think that our societies, perhaps they play a role and keeping us in that space of limited beliefs and fear? Sometimes. I mean, the thing is, is depending on the pers- your, your own personality, we pick up beliefs in different ways. So, for example, you could have three children brought up in exactly the same way by their parents, but they don't all take on the same way and their personality will kick out things that don't agree with them or not. So it really does depend on a personality, how we take on the beliefs that we're, we are living or experiencing or reading about. The word God, there are so many ways we can refer to God, the universe, the source. I will be using the word God for this question. What, where, and who is God to you? Mm-hmm. To me, God is the energy of unconditional love. And I think that we are all part of that energy. I think we are all sparks of God. And all of us as are like a huge energy together. And that energy is just unconditional love. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Yes. I believe that spirituality is something that all of us feel, but in lots and lots and lots of different ways. So some people find their sense of spirituality by standing on a mountain, whereas other people may find their sense of spirituality by visiting a temple or a place of worship. Some people find their spirituality through painting or music. So I think spirituality is like finding a connection to our own inner wisdom, to our own deep connection and our own connection to unconditional love. I think religion is the way many people practice their spirituality. And historically, those religions have um, become changed and grown. There are sets of rules which are different with different religions. So they can't all be right, right? (laughs) But I think the essence of, of all religions is that there is a deity, there is a God, and pretty much all religions, whether they see the God as a combination of little gods making up a big God, or whether they see um, the God as a one being, that God loves us. That is the crux of it. Now, some religions believe that we get punished or there are price to pay. Personally, I don't think that at all. I think it's unconditional. But 
the common thread is that all religions, I guess Buddhism is a little bit different. So forgive me for Buddhists if I'm not speaking correctly for you. But for most of the major religions, there is a God. There is this loving energy. We're so different and unique uh, in the way we choose to uh, follow different ideas and concepts. But I love your work because it's all about bringing it back to the core of what it is to be a human being and unconditional love and realizing that that is there and available for all of us. Now we will be talking about your work. And my first question had to be this one. How did you become a writer? Well, it's kind of topsy-turvy because I became a writer because I um, trained as a theater healer. And through my training and through my working with other people, I started to get flashes of inspiration. And I got the name of the book, but I didn't know that it was going to be the name of a book. And I kept channeling all these ideas. And in the end, it became my book. But the very, very first reason I ever found Theta Healing is because I went to a Theta Healer because I thought I should be doing something and I thought it was writing a book. So they're kind of entwined. I have your title. You are a intuitive mentor, or would you say intuitive healer? I tend to use the word intuitive mentor because many of the per people I work with tend to come back two or three times a month and we work on particular issues and I may guide them through a certain time in their life. Um, so I tend to use the word mentor because although I do do one-off sessions, I tend to do programs of mentoring with people. Um, but those mentoring sessions um, take the form of healing sessions because my the main technique that I use is theta healing, although I am also um, a trained life coach as well. I'll be asking you questions about what you do, the, um, the guided meditations, the radio show, Becoming Love, the workshop, and you have an online course coming up too. So, but before that, let me ask you these two questions. What is intuition and how do we know when we are listening to our intuition? <laughs> Those are great questions. I think the easiest way to answer it is this. I truly believe that all of us have intuition. And I think if we go back a thousand, two thousand years, our sense of intuition was much more highly tuned than it is now because we needed it. There was no technology. So if we had um, a relative, I don't know, a mile away in a village and they were in trouble, we needed to feel it. We needed to know that so that we could go and help them. But nowadays, we don't need to know that because they can pick up the phone. So gradually, I think over hundreds of years, because we just don't use it, our sense of intuition has, we've just kind of forgotten. But all of us practice intuition every day. I mean, I'm sure loads and loads and loads of people, they hear their phone ring, they don't need to look at it, they know who it is. They think, oh, that's my mum. They just know. So we have these little sparks of intuition. And intuition is just a sense of knowing or feeling that you just recognize something without actually having to hear it with your actual ears 
or see it with your actual eyes. We have so many voices in our heads constantly. So I'm wondering how do we know the difference when we are listening to the intuition so we are able to trust that voice and when we are listening to, let's say, they call the ego mind or the false self? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I teach the theta healing technique that I use. I teach that. So I teach people right from the very basic class up to the most advanced classes. And so that's a question that people, when they come to the very basic class, they'll say, how do I know that I'm talking to my intuition? And to me, we are infinitely divine beings. So when I'm thinking, when I say talking to your intuition, I'm really saying we're talking to God because we are a spark of God. And when you have a conversation with God, your deep intuition, the answers are always loving. The answers are usually very simple um, and very often something that feels like a kind of spark of inspiration. Whereas if you're hearing criticism or a really long story, that's probably not your deepest intuition. It could be you're in a critical voice. It could be that you've got a guide or somebody talking to you, but it's not the deepest sense of intuition. And all of us twice a day go naturally into a lovely deep brainwave where we can access that intuition easily. And that is first thing in the morning when we wake up and last thing at night before we drop off to sleep. And in that woozy state, you really get the best answers from your intuition or your inner wisdom. The voice of intuition, it's simple, loving, and inspiring. So because that's the communication to God. Beautiful. And I think the other thing is, it's usually non-directional. I mean, if you think God is telling you to go somewhere at a particular time and do something or else, You're not talking to God. Right. Because if you said to God, you know, I've got the feeling, God, that God or myself or or I've got the feeling that I'd really like to write a book. You'll probably hear, awesome, go for it. But if you start hearing a whole load of stories about what it has to actually be called and exactly how much it should cost and exactly Mm -hmm. when you should sell it, that's probably just your ego's taking over. Doesn't give us a destination in a way, right, Nicola? A specific destination. Right. We create our own lives. And I believe our inner wisdom, our conversations with God are there to guide us. But we don't have to do anything. You know, it is always our choice to create it. I want to talk about meditation. Would you say that this is the best way to access our intuition? Yeah, I think it's a really great way to access your intuition, to go into a really deep theta brainwave so that when you're getting really deep answers. And I find that if I have a specific thing I want to work on, if I want to do some manifesting, or if I want to send love healing when I'm working with clients, then I really make sure that I take myself into a really deep theta brainwave. So I'm in that state of meditation. So I get the clearest answers, and I'm able to ask for the best healings. So meditation would be your um, preferred method. Are there other methods? Well, yeah, I mean, all of us are in a sort of meditative state, as I said, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. So 
you can do that naturally and um, many people do. Many creators, composers, inventors say, oh, I got the idea just as I woke up. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course you did because you were so deeply connected then. And as I said, some people find their spirituality on the top of the mountain or when they listen to music. So however, everybody has their own way of accessing their deepest intuition. But I think when your brain is slowed down into a sort of five to seven hertz per second, a theta brainwave, however it takes you to get it like that, whether that's music, meditation, a beautiful walk, um, that's when you kind of feel that clear connection. That's very interesting. In my case, is when I don't sleep that much. So if I have two, three, four hours of sleep, then I'm a lot more in touch with my intuition. And if I sleep seven, eight hours, I'm not. So I'm wondering why. Well, I guess, Valeria, what it is, is that after three to four hours sleep, that's probably not, and I'm using air quotes, but you can't see me, enough sleep. So you're still tired. Your brain is still slowed down. It's in that kind of slightly woozy state that you get just as you drop off to sleep or just as you wake up. And so you are in that slowed down theta brainwave. You haven't quite got to a faster brainwave that you, we have when we're up and running about. So you are much more in touch because your brainwaves are slowed down. Oh, so that's what it is. And the thing is that if I want to be in touch with my intuition more often, then I'll be tired more often. <laughs> no, because you don't, you don't have to be tired because what, um, what I do is I've trained myself to slow my brain down so I can be in this sort of deeply connected state, but I can still function normally. I can drive, I talk to my clients, I can do other things. So you can train yourself to be in a theta brainwave, to have this slow down brainwave and walk about and do your normal things as well. Talk to me about the authentic self. What is it, if it can be described? Mm -hmm. I think the authentic self really means each of us choosing to be completely honest to ourselves, to speak our truths, to live without hiding secrets from ourselves, and to live with a sense of self-integrity so that we can really delight in and accept who we are. Is there some ways to know when we are in that space of authentic self? Yeah, I think so. I think it stems from self-acceptance, having the wisdom to know what we can change and what we cannot, and accepting that, and having the wisdom to choose to be the best that we can be without comparing ourselves negatively to others, and, just, and to be honest ourselves, and to then live true to that honesty. So I guess my question on acceptance is how do we know when we are accepting and how do we know when we are giving up? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's a good question, actually. And I think um, when I work with people on self-acceptance, that is often what I hear people say. If I just accept myself, does that mean I'm just going to sit on the couch and eat chocolate <laughs> all the time? Yeah. No. I <laughs> I think self-acceptance is about understanding who you are and loving yourself 
So there is no criticism, there's no negative judgment, but that doesn't mean, mean that's not motivation to find new challenges, to be the best you can be, to improve what can be improved upon if that's what you want to do. But there's no negative comparison to anyone else and no moaning about the things you can't change. For example, I'm five foot four. Would I like to be five foot seven? I guess, but I'm never going to grow another three inches now. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I like that answer. And giving up my result in regrets and resentment, some form of negative state of mind, right, Nicola? Yeah, that's a really good point. And if you are not living true to yourself, you will start feeling self-resentment and your little inner voice is going to start criticizing yourself. And yeah, you would definitely start to feel it if you had given up. So talk to me about the programs you have, the guided meditation, the radio show, workshops, and the online course coming up. Okay. So I kind of call all of these projects my creative initiatives. And all of my creative initiatives stem from the theme of becoming love, which basically means learning to love ourselves, to love others, and to love this beautiful universe within which we exist. And if we are looking at the premise of love, that means we are releasing resentments, fears, regrets, feelings of rejection, feelings of guilt, feelings of self-pity, so that all we're left with is love. And that's really where all the, is the foundation of all of my programs and events and the work that I do. So I do have a radio show. It's on newsforthesoul.com and it's called Becoming Love. And really on that show, I do it every other Wednesday. On that show, I usually talk about a theme of something to do with love. And I sometimes do live online healings. I usually do a meditation for everybody. And sometimes I have people ring and ask me questions. So it's always around a theme to do with um, becoming love. Um, I have a book, which is called Becoming Love. And it's really a self-help book, if you like, to learn how to love others. And it's one of those self-help books that you write in. So you fill in exercises. And I like to think of it as a journey to emotional peace, where people can make profound changes to their happiness and their feelings of belonging in the world so that they can find real reverence for themselves and everybody else. And part of that book is a set of guided meditations. So when people buy the book, they have access to a SoundCloud of meditations and each chapter has its own meditation which helps you take on the learning within the chapter itself. So that's that little creative initiative and then yes I'm really excited because I'm just about to launch my first online program which is called Mastering the Art of Self-Love and it's pretty meaty, pretty chunky online course, which consists of webinars and information. Um, there are exercises for people to complete. Again, there are meditations. Um, 
people who join the course um, are part of another online group, which is like a supportive, collaborative community. And the idea is that at the end of the course, you will have mastered the art of self-love. So it has seven different modules to work through. And what happens is people actually journal on, a, on a, an actual journal. They journal their journey, if you like. So there are exercises and journal pages. So by the end of it, they have their own Becoming Love, Art of Self-Love journal that's full of all of their amazing creative ideas. So they've got a hard copy takeaway of the actual online program that they completed. So I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> and it'll uh-huh. probably take, you know, when people join it, it would take them at least at least two months, but could be up to a year to complete, depending on how fast they want to move through it. Because some of the exercises are in the moment and some are over a couple of weeks. And so there's quite a lot to it. And I'm pretty excited about launching this. It will probably be available to pre-register within the next couple of weeks, which is really exciting because I feel like this has been a big one to push through. So I'm very, very excited to be able to offer this. I love your message. I love your wisdom. I have deep appreciation for everything that you do personally. I know this is something that's appreciated by pretty much everyone, all of us, but I personally have this connection or understanding of what you're trying to do exactly. Thank you. It's a beautiful, beautiful work. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to be asking you my final questions, but before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? <laughs> I tell that my favorite quote, and this sounds a little bit egotistical because this is obviously I'm talking about quoting myself. My favorite quote in the whole book, which to me sums up becoming love, is this. And it's something you can say to yourself, it's something you can say to somebody else, it's something you can say to God, it's something you could say to any aspect of our beautiful universe. And this is what it is. I see you. I see where you stand. I stand here and I love you. The message of love, it's so easy to um, to love, (laughs) but I know it takes practice. So I love what you do in that sense too, because you have a lot of steps and lots of tools that we can practice becoming love. And thank you again for that. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Wow. I think it is this. There's been a couple of times in my life where I've experienced either great tragedy, personal great tragedy, or a personal, a huge loss, a shock. And I think in thinking of two times in particular, the key ones... I think the biggest lesson to learn was you have to accept someone else's choices. And that's, you know, that might mean you're left sad, very sad or alone, but it is their choice. You may not understand their choice and you may think they've made the wrong choice. Well, certainly for you, but it is their choice for and you have to accept it. So I think acceptance of others is a big lesson. Yeah. I agree. And that's such a, an interesting 
idea. We, by understanding that life is all about choices and we have the choice to be in the freedom, to be what we want to be or experience what we want to experience. Because being, I would say, we are love. <laughs> so we already are love, but just experiencing love, it's our choice. But what you said is interesting because that also, it might open up that space for understanding. And now we also understand that other people, they need to go through choices and make them. And it doesn't really matter what it is. It might be the hardest lesson. It's accepting, right? What is another word for healing? Love. Love. (laughs) Because often, you know, in, in the work that I do, in the technique that I use, It's quite interesting. I can send somebody love using the highest energy that's all around us. I can send somebody love without their permission, but I can't send someone a healing without their permission. But, you know, when I witness the healing going in or the love going in, they look pretty much the same to me. And very often when I've sent somebody love, I've witnessed healing taking place. So to me, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, healing in the ways like what is not love <laughs> right <laughs> no I was just going to say yeah I absolutely agree with you at the end of the day love is the most important energy that we have on the planet and it's everybody's birthright to, to use it to feel it to know know it and it, if I could I would just have everybody be able to experience it right now right Right. And you're doing the work. Mm -hmm. You are there. (laughs) So two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? You know, I've thought about that before because I'm a single mom of three kids. So, I mean, my youngest is now 17, so they're not tiny babies anymore. But I, I thought about that and it is something that I think about. And you know what the answer is? No. Because I do try to live true to myself. I try to live being honest in my communication with myself and with others. I'm doing what I love. Um, I feel very loved and I feel that everything that I want to do, if I create it and do it. So I guess not, actually. I think I'm pretty happy with how things are going. I just would like to be around for an great good number of years yet because I love life. (laughs) Yeah. But as you said before, life, there's no opposite to life. So it only continues, right? In different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying about this human experience as we are living now. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Very interesting and easy to attach to. (laughs) (laughs) So my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure? I know that there is an energy that surrounds us all that is unconditionally loving. And I know that we come from there. We are that energy. We're part of it. And that never goes away or changes. That's number one for sure. Number two, I know that given enough love, people can be healed. I know it because I've seen it. And I've seen the way you can disarm somebody with a smile or with kindness or with a kind word. And, I've, you know, how you can flip people's energy or their mood in a blink of an eye by just showing them a little bit more love and respect and understanding in a situation. So 
that's my second one. I know love heals. And my third one, I guess, is I know that if you want something to change, then you can create change in your life, that you can make things happen for you. Yeah. Wow. I love your wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Profound wisdom. And it has been a meaningful and loving conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay. So really easily, you can visit my website, which is super easy to find because it's just my name. So nicolalandike.com is my website where you can find out about all of my creative initiatives, the work that I do. You can get in contact with me there. So that's like the key place. My book is available to buy on Amazon. My radio show is on newsforthesoul.com. But again, you can access it from my website. Any of the um, online courses or the mentoring programs, Again, they're all on my website. And if you're somebody who loves social media, I have um, an Instagram account. And again, easy, easy, just my name. It's Nicola Van Dyke. And I have a Facebook page, which again is just my name. I think I'm one of the lucky people who has a name that no one else has. So I was able to, right. all of, everything is just my name. It's so, so easy. <laughs> really great. Thank you so much again, Nicola. And we'll talk soon. Great. I'd love that. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Nicola Van Dyke, please visit her website, nicolavandyke.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.